From the American College of Financial Services, it's time for NextGen in 10. I'm Ross Riskin, chair of the NextGen Advisory Task Force, and for the next 10 minutes, you'll be joined by our hosts and guests discussing topics relevant to up-and-coming financial advisors. Hey, NextGen, it's Alana Phillips. I am continuing the conversation with Stephen Jarvis, CPA and co-founder of Retirement Tax Services. Thanks for staying here with us, Stephen. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. I'm excited for round three. Yeah, you've had such great advice for our next-gen folks, so I'm excited to dig into a little bit further really how they should be thinking about tax planning. And specifically, you know, you have talked about next-gen folks have the ability or realizing they can break out of the traditional mold of working with retirees or pre-retirees. I'm hoping our podcast has helped them to realize that too, as we've had folks on here, that you don't have to work with this you know, group of folks you've been told are the only potential clients but they should still be thinking about tax planning. How are you seeing that play out for next-gen folks that aren't working with a traditional retiree? So obviously the company I founded to really work with advisors is called Retirement Tech Services. And so I get a lot of questions about, do you only work with advisors who have retiree clients? And the answer is no. The reason we still named the company Retirement Tech Services is because I'm a CPA and didn't want to spend a bunch of time on naming. But really, it's because we're working with retirement-minded individuals, people who want to take a long-term approach. So whether you're 20 or 60, if you have a long-term mindset or this I'm going to retire someday mindset, there is so much we can do around tax planning. Usually what I tell advisors is that if we try to fight the IRS one year at a time, we're always going to lose. If you're looking for tax opportunities in March for the previous year, there's very little we can do. But if we take a multi-year approach, and I learned this from a great advisor I work with, we can start sanding off the rough edges of our tax bill is how mm-hmm. he explains it to clients. Mm-hmm. So that if we, if we take that 5, 10, 20-year approach to here's what your tax bill looks like, as obviously as an estimate, we don't know what tax rates are going to be exactly. But if we can estimate, here's what your tax bill looks like. And then we can start quantifying some of these tax planning strategies. Alana, you you mentioned on one of the other episodes we were on together that advisors are always looking for ways to quantify the value they provide to their clients. And I would argue that there probably isn't a better way to quantify value to a client than through tax planning, because you can clearly show them, okay, right now, based on what you're doing, and, and let's take if you're working with younger clients who maybe aren't to the point where they can do Roth conversions or qualified charitable distributions, things like that. So you're working with somebody in their 30s or even their 40s, you can still start quantifying, okay, based on what you're doing right now, if we look at the next 10 years, here's an estimate of what your tax bill might be. Here's how we're going to start reducing your tax bill if we fully fund an HSA account, or if we fully fund your Roth or traditional 401k plan, or if we set up your own separate uh, IRA account, and you can start quantifying what those things look like. Now, I know that all of those things are things your audience is all very aware of. I didn't just make up an HSA. You all know what that is. And you're thinking, how is that great advice that I should fund an HSA? What I'm telling you is that you need to take the time to show them over five or 10 or 20 years what that impact is. That's how you're going to start differentiating yourself. Just saying things like I'm fee only or I'm a fiduciary. So is everyone else or most everyone else. Let's not fight over definitions. Let's demonstrate to people how you are doing something different. I try to really reinforce that complexity does not equal value, whether it's what we're talking to our clients about or how we're trying to run our business. Simple, consistent action. 
Yeah, no, it doesn't have to be so difficult. It is crazy. And I know I've described to new people coming into this industry because they sometimes, and I know I sit on meetings with advisors who've been doing this for years that just talk over the heads of clients. And that is how they have built their business, right? It's just kind of steamrolling the conversation, but to really have those meaningful relationships, like your role as an advisor, and I'm sure your role as a CPA is to take the complex, complicated, nerdy, you know, number stuff that you know, and be able to explain it to somebody in a clear, simple way. So they take action. Right. And that is the hardest part about what we do in our business, but it's, it's also the most important. Yeah. With the expansion of availability of information, whether it's CPAs or financial advisors, 99% of the time, we're not telling people anything they can't Google as far as the what, where we can mm-hmm. add value is the how and the accountability. So I'm, I'm totally with you. That, that, that's, that's really where the value comes from. We can't just steamroll people anymore because they can just Google it and find the information. We have to be doing something else to add real value. Yeah, completely. No, I think about this. I'm uh, in the process of buying a house and working with a real estate agent where it's like, I can Google all of the things I need to know about this process, but the things I need help with for me specifically and my situation, is this the right decision, right? Should I do this this way? How would you proceed if you were in my shoes and to have a professional that can give you that true advice is what's the differentiator there for sure. Yeah. We need this reminder constantly about demonstrating versus just telling because until a client can see it, until it is tangible, until it's specific, we're not impressed by it. I don't care about your CPA license hanging on your wall behind you. I don't care about the fact that you're a fiduciary. I need you to demonstrate to me that you can help me. You can save me money. You can help me make good decisions with my money. And that is so much more important than any of the other pieces, Stephen. Circling back to our last conversation really quick, and that this is just a little bit of a pet peeve. I love that advisors are fiduciaries. That's great. Don't ever use that as a value proposition to CPAs because <laughs> guess what? When you say, oh, well, I'm a fiduciary, all they're thinking is um, I act in the best interest of my clients too. Big whoop. Oh, so wait, you're legally required to? I just choose to like. Good point. I hope the IRS isn't listening as you're talking about sanding off the rough edges of your taxes over the course of multiple years. Oh, I hope the IRS is listening Um, (laughs) because I I don't advocate for anything that isn't completely in line with the IRS rules. That's not what this is about. This isn't about trying to sneak something in. This is about taking the labyrinth that is the tax code. And this is something you should explain to your clients. So the tax code is not based on reason. It's not based on logic. It's also not made by accountants. The tax code is made by Congress, and this isn't even a political conversation because it happens across the spectrum. The tax code is made to drive behavior. It's meant to drive special interest behavior. And so we're trying to cut through all that and just get to, okay, what are the rules and how do we help you as an individual, Mr. and Mrs. Client, Bob and Sue, whoever we're going to call them, how do we help you as an individual pay less in taxes? Because again, no matter how you feel about the fairness of taxes, for individuals, I have yet to meet the person who personally wants to pay more in taxes. Yeah, that is the truth for sure. I'm going to pause us there and we'll be back after a quick break. Give your clients the retirement security they need with our Retirement Income Certified Professional designation. Visit theamericancollege.edu slash RICP to learn more. Learn how a goal-based approach redefines 21st century investment with our Wealth Management Certified Professional designation. Bring your value to a new level at theamericancollege.edu slash WMCP. And we are back. We'll pick up right where we left off, Stephen. 
So I, I guess, can you give for our next gen audience, because you gave a, a few of the examples that would certainly be applicable to pre-retirees, retirees, when are some of these opportunities for them to talk to next-gen folks about specific areas they can save in taxes? You mentioned HSAs. I mean, I'm in California near Silicon Valley. We've got a lot of folks that have, you know, deferred comp or stock options or other, you know, complicated parts of their, their compensation. What are some of these examples, buying a house, et cetera? Yeah. So let's, let's take stock comp as an example. I was recently talking to an advisor who almost exclusively deals with clients in the tech industry who have complicated stock compensation, but we can use this as a framework for how you should approach anything with tax planning. Even though I, I said that this is a great area that we can quantify value, we've got to remember that there's value in quantitative as well as qualitative. There's actually a psychologist who recently proposed a word for the fear of taxes. I think it's ferocophobia. I don't think it's been generally accepted yet. But my point in bringing this up is there is so much confusion and anxiety for people around taxes. If money is emotional, taxes are exponentially more so. So there's value in you spending time cutting out some of that confusion and anxiety. Even if you don't ultimately recommend they do something different with their stock comp, taking the time to get their agreements because every stock comp agreement is different and walking them through what those different terms mean, explain to them what a strike price is and how their vesting schedule works. Walk them through where that's going to come through on their tax return. Just kind of pulling out some of that confusion, really highlight for them where decision points are going to be, whether that's options or RSUs, whatever it is. And maybe if, if you want to take this next level, get that document, find those decision points and put it in your CRM and reach out to them when they have a decision point coming up, whether you need to be involved in it or not, but to, to send a, a postcard or an email or what, however you like to communicate with them to say, hey, Alana, you know, from the last conversation we had, I know that you're about to have some RSUs vesting, kind of here's some of the things you need to be thinking about. Let me know if you'd like to have a conversation. So th those are great ways for your clients to know that you care about the details and that you're taking care of them. I love it. I like this new term for fear of taxes because it is very personal. And I think, I mean, you mentioned this isn't political, but taxes have become part of a very political conversation. And there's a lot of information on either side about how people feel about it. Do you find that as you're helping advisors to have these conversations, it can help with some of the political unrest that is happening around the conversation? Well, so to be clear, it's not that I think taxes aren't political. Taxes are clearly very political. Your conversation with an individual client should not be political. Yeah. And keeping it focused on them is the best way to do that. Probably most any of the financial planning conversations you're having, your client isn't actually coming to you for you being the fountain of wisdom on all things politics. So make sure you stay focused on their goals and how you accomplish them. Maybe you have that one person in America who personally wants to pay more in taxes, I would still advocate that you help them pay as little as they're required to, and then you can actually write checks to the national debt or help them find a charity they care about. I love people who are charity inclined. I definitely choose the organizations that I care a lot about to, to donate to. This isn't about hoarding money. This is about flexibility. This is about helping your client be able to write fewer checks to anti-iris and more checks to whatever organization they care the most about. Thank you for this, Aunt Iris, to continue our cheesy CPA joke, Stephen. Mm -hmm, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I guess final question that I have for you is we're thinking about not just next-gen advisors, but next-gen clients, these younger clients maybe that our next-gen advisors are working with. Some of them are retiring early, right? That mm -hmm. is a, a goal to retire at some point in their 40s, maybe. How are the taxes 
coming into play in those conversations where you have a client that is pre-retiree, retiree, but very young. That's really interesting. And, uh, and this is a great example of how the tax code is written to drive specific behavior. And so there are a lot of tax rules that are built around certain ages that have historically been associated with getting close to retirement. And those tax laws haven't really shifted with some of these movements you're seeing to try to become financially independent and retire early. And so it still comes back to taking the individualized approach and understanding a client's specific situation and making sure they understand that if they're going to retire in their 40s or their early 50s, they can't just take the conventional wisdom of, oh, well, retirement's going to be supplemented by Social Security, or these types of things are going to be tax-free or tax-deferred because there are really important ages in there. The IRS doesn't care if you consider yourself retired. They care what your birthday was. Mm -hmm. um, and so making sure that is clear to your clients, especially if you're trying to help them decide, okay, here's how much I need to save up to support my lifestyle if I retire at a particular age, that tax piece is probably going to be their single biggest expense throughout retirement by a long shot. So if you haven't taken the time to help them understand what that looks like, you really, you're doing a disservice. Yeah, that's excellent. Excellent advice, Stephen. And I know you've mentioned in previous episodes, but for anyone joining our conversation here, where can they find you to get more of this information and how they could partner with Retirement Tax Services? Yeah, retirementtaxservices.com is our website. We have a podcast, the Retirement Tax Services Podcast. We do monthly public-facing webinars. We do have a membership program as well for people to join kind of our inner circle, our community, to be able to interact with other people who are really focused on this, to get some of our exclusive content that's just for our members that really goes beyond just the topics we talk about and give you reference guides and checklists and specific scripts. I have advisors who will share the actual emails with me that they send to CPAs or their clients so that you don't feel like you're starting from scratch, that you have partners in being able to deliver value to your clients. I love it. So, so valuable to our next gen audience as they're trying to build businesses successful long-term businesses and to have turnkey solutions for that. So everybody that's listening, go check out Stephen and his materials there with Retirement Tax Services. And hopefully this is useful to implement within your own practices and working better on a tax planning perspective and hopefully with CPAs. So thanks for sharing with us today, Stephen. Yeah, of course. I was happy to. For more episodes, visit our website at theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. This has been Next Gen in 10, brought to you by the American College of Financial Services.